The information on this podcast is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All information contained on or related to this podcast is for general information purposes only. Hello everyone, I'm Chantal Wicks and this is Guts and Glory. Hello everyone and welcome to the Guts and Glory podcast. I'm really excited that you are joining me today. I have two fantastic guests. Our first guest is Jen Ackerman. She is the Child and Youth Programs Coordinator at Crohn's and Colitis Canada. As well as our second guest is Lisa McNeil, who is an IBD warrior, and she is one of the AbbVie Scholarship recipient winners for 2020. The reason why I have both of these lovely ladies with me today is because they are here to tell us all about the AbbVie Scholarship, which is open right now for people to apply. So welcome, ladies. Hello. Hi. Thank you for joining me virtually during these uh, COVID times. Um, it's nice to see you in your rectangular box. So <laughs> let's start with Jen. So Jen, the AbbVie Scholarship, if I am correct, is a joint partnership with AbbVie and Crohn's and Colitis Canada. Yes, you are very correct. Okay, so tell us about like who can apply, what's the application process like, what is this scholarship, how much is it? Yeah, sure, I can take you through the process. So um, the AbbVie IBD Scholarship is a partnership, like you said, between AbbVie and Crohn's and Colitis Canada. And so this program started in 2012 just to help alleviate the financial stress of being a student. So we all know kind of what that looks like. So um, CCC kind of and AbbVie wanted to help out with um, Crohn's, people living with Crohn's disease and colitis to help them throughout their academic journey. So it's an annual scholarship. It's $5,000 to students of any age who live with Crohn's or colitis um, and are enrolled in a Canadian post-secondary institution. So this year, it's our 10th year of the AbbVie's IBD scholarship. So it's a pretty exciting milestone. So we'll be awarding 20 scholarships. to. So normally it's 10, but this year, because it's such a big milestone, 20 people in Canada with IBD going to post-secondary education are is going are going to win $5,000 to go towards. Yes, exactly. And so that's a, it's a pretty big amount that is Yes. Um, awarded to the students so it's pretty cool we get to see um and hear from our past recipients um like lisa just hearing about kind of how it's helped them in their academic journey and how it's kind of given a break rather than having to do all these even focus on a little bit of stress about the financial side of things we get to just let that go and award well i i know personally i can say that uh, I'm dating myself a little bit. Uh, the Abbey Scholarship did not exist when I was in university. So um, I'm 34. So 10 years ago, I would have already been graduated and working as a teacher. But, you know, I was actually diagnosed in university. So I was 20 when I was diagnosed. And here I am. You know, I, I grew up um, I, I grew up in a working class family. My, my parents really struggled. You know, I needed to use OSAP, which is our... Ontario student application, you know, program. So I had to, I knew I had to pay all of this back. And at the time I'm going to school full-time university, University of Toronto. I'm working three to four part-time jobs and I'm just diagnosed with Crohn's disease, you know, and I had to work these jobs because I couldn't afford to go to school if I didn't. So here I am ill and I can't imagine how much of a relief it would have been for me should this scholarship had, you know, been a thing I could have applied to then, right? So it's fantastic. And it has to be someone who has IBD, right? Yes, exactly. Crohn's or colitis, and then you just have to be um, a permanent resident or um, a Canadian citizen, and Mm -hmm. then attending a Canadian post-secondary institution. So that could be a college, it could be um, like a continuing education course, it could be university, it could be an apprenticeship, that kind of thing, as long as it's a Canadian institution. Amazing. Uh, amazing. Um, applications are due by when? June 1st at 11.59 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> Just in case you like to procrastinate, folks, you yeah. have until 11.59. Yeah, um, and get it in early because it's a pretty, it's an extensive process. So this is an online application form. There's an essay that needs to be written. It's a 500-word essay kind of outlining your academic aspirations. Um, how you've gotten to where you are today, and then how you strive for wellness within your own life. 
Um, and then you also need two reference forms and then a proof of diagnosis form from a medical professional who can just prove your disease or diagnosis. Yeah, that you're not a mm-hmm. non-IBD warrior pretending. Yeah. Um, I heard you say essay and I can hear, like, I can already see the faces of my listeners. I'm actually <laughs> picturing, I'm picturing my grade eight students right now being like essay. Um, but <laughs> yeah. you, you said 500 words. So guys, yeah. uh, ladies and gents, um, everyone who's listening, humans who are listening right now, 500 words is not a lot. Okay. It's going to be one of those things where you're probably going to start writing it and then realize you went over the word limit and you have to decide what you're going to cut out. Um, yeah, so exactly. please don't be, don't panic. <laughs> uh, and I'm offering, I'm offering my editing services. I will edit for free. Reach out to me at our Guts and Glory Facebook page. Tell me you want me to edit something and I will go through it with my teacher <laughs> eyes. I promise. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So is there, so that, so we can, like people can apply online. Is that how that goes? Like through people can apply online. Yep. It's, if you go to ibdscholarship.ca, that's where you'll find the application. You'll also find all the instructions for the application. Like we can kind of talk to you through what you need and what you have to do. And then there's also an email you can contact and that would lead to me and I can help talk through the application. Right to you, offering so, your services right from the website. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So all it is, is ibdscholarship.ca. Exactly. Yep. That's a pretty straightforward URL. Okay. Pretty straightforward. Pretty easy to find. Okay. So Lisa, um, you have IBD, you have Crohn's disease. Yes. You You were diagnosed at a young age, right? Tell us about that. Yeah. So I was diagnosed um, with Crohn's when I was 10 years old and I'm now 32. So it's been, yeah. Yes. 30s girl. Yes. Yes. Jen, how old are you? I am 25. Oh God, you've got so much time. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Yes, but I got diagnosed when I, I was quite young. And um, so for me at that time, I was getting a lot of blood in my stool and um, a lot of urgency. I lost quite a bit of weight very quickly. Um, and so after a series of tests and back and forth to various different doctors, um, I finally had a scope and it was confirmed that I had, I had Crohn's. Now, did was, you have, do you have IBD in your family? Yes. So it was oh, okay. really scary to me at the time because my uncle and my grandmother, so my grandmother has colitis um, okay. on my dad's side. And then on my mom's side, my uncle has Crohn's. And so, okay. So you're just um, getting it from both. Yes. <laughs> yes. Both okay. angles, right? Great genes. <laughs> Great genes. And they had their diagnosis when you were a child. They did. Yes. Okay. So I had associated, like I knew how sick at moments my uncle had been. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just, I remember like my parents reaction being like, of, like, no, you know, like just so much in some ways, very scary, a lot of unknown. Um, but also like, I remember feeling relief because there was so much back and forth and, you know, thinking it was a parasite or a flu or, um, you know, just that I had a sensitive stomach. And so which with children, we say like, that is something I hear a lot. Like, it's always like, let's check to make sure they're not lactose intolerant. Like, do they have enough food allergy? Yeah. So I was pretty fortunate once we started, um, I had some really amazing doctors at the IWK, the Children's Hospital here in Halifax. Oh, yes. Um, you're, you're, ha- you're, you're from, you're a Nova Scotian. I am. East Coast from East Halifax. Girl. Okay. So yeah, so definitely the, like being in Halifax and having access to the right care was helpful. Exactly. It was huge. Yeah. And like throughout my, I mean, throughout my life, like my Crohn's has really, been so up and down like it at moments has been more of the like urgency and diarrhea and all that fun stuff and then it shifted in my teens more to like experiencing like fistulas and abscess and more surgeries and that sort of stuff so um yeah it's been a lot of ups and downs throughout um different medic like many different medications throughout that and you've had surgery you said uh, Lisa. Yeah, surgeries. I haven't had like bowel resection surgery or anything like that, but um, surgeries for the um, fistulas and abscesses and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And this is all through your like being a youth. Yeah. 
This was my, yeah, exactly. Oh, so I God. remember in university, I moved out with five, there was five of us. They're still my best friends today. And I remember my parents being like, this is not a good idea. I went through a <laughs> kind of like a period of being like, I don't have Crohn's. Like, I'm good. I, I'm going to come off my meds. I'm, YOLO. YOLO. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I want to live my life. And uh, that that did not bode very well for me. Um, very quickly, yeah, realized, and you know, exams, I would get stressed and then I would get in a flare. And mm-hmm. so I, I did have to like at points move back home. So it at was, the same time, your parents are like, I told you so, but then they're also supposed to be like, yes, go spread your wings, young butterfly. Absolutely. Like, I have so much more compassion for them now. I'm like, I don't know. I remember being like, what's the big deal? Like, I, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I mean, they were just, you know, so supportive, but at the same time, I think very concerned about my health and it was always like top of mind, which I think also has impacts right on how you risks that you choose to take and not to take and all that kind of stuff. It's interesting that you say that about parents and risks. Like I think about My family now lives in the East Coast. My parents, they live in Newfoundland, so just a little bit further east than you. Um, And they recently, if they moved back, I would say within the last five or six years since I've been with my husband. And I, they had talked about moving, you know, back home to Newfoundland for so long um, and they never did. And I just kept saying to them, like, just go, like, you guys are miserable here. Like, go to where your heart is, you know, and it's no, 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 not the right time. And then I met Daryl, who's now my husband and, you know, things got serious. We moved in together, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden it was like, we're moving to Newfoundland. <laughs> I, think it was one of, like, I think it was one of those things that it was like a shifting of responsibility. Like you know, in, in some cultures, it's like, yes, you can marry my daughter and like, here's some money or, you know, they get, it's like, you can marry my daughter. Here she is. Um, <laughs> With her eye, the is done. Yeah, we are moving to Newfoundland. <laughs> but uh, I do know that, like, when I'm not well, um, I can t- tell my mom and dad are really good at trying to be like, it's okay, you know, you know, trying to, but I can tell that it pains them that they're not here and they worry about not being here. So, hope they never listen to this episode, but, um, there's an unspoken agreement between my husband and I, that we just sometimes do not let my parents know. Um, we wait until the after part, you know, like when you're a teenager and you go for your, get your license and you don't tell anybody you're taking your driving test just in case you fail. Um, (laughs) it's, it's one of those things. So it's interesting that you say that, but no, I did at the time, did I realize my parents were not moving because, you know, they have a daughter with an IUD who lives alone in her condo. Uh, no, if I ask them now, why did you guys wait until I found someone there? But no, of course not. Like, you know, there was no houses on the market, uh, <laughs> something along those lines, you know, like I, that's, I know that's how it would be. So how are you doing now though, before we start talking about your educational journey and, and, you know, applying to Abby and, and winning, woo, um, how are you doing right now with your IBD? Doing really well, knock. I feel like I need, my mom says knock on wood, knock on wood. Yeah, but no, things are things are going well. It's certainly, um, I think, as we talk about as IBD warriors, you know, day by day is like my yeah. mantra. Sometimes um, minute by minute, my friend. Sometimes moment by moment, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the last few months, I've had I've been on Stellara now for the last um, few years, and we've made some adjustments in terms of like the frequency of that injection. And it's been yeah, like it's been working really well, I'm feeling um, healthier than I have in a while. Um, Hallelujah! this is goodness. This is goodness all around. Yeah, so I, I do very much still watch, you know, diet is my nutrition I watch kind of that pretty closely um, but I'm working with the dietitian as well to kind of expand some of my um, my horizons I say because I was just gonna say when you said you're working with diet some IBD warriors find that diet really helps them some don't right well if we're flaring or something obviously ensuring that we're right eating the right things and avoiding the right things but um, diet can be tricky too especially I feel like all IBD warriors, whether we're hundred percent triggered by food or not, we have this love hate relationship with food, you know, 
And it's such a, it's a relationship that ebbs and flows and, you know, something that you don't, you think you can eat one week, the next week is something that is possibly something grown in tolerance. And I found myself, I got myself to a place where I was, you know, um, malnourished, like actually malnourished uh, in multiple areas. And it was because, you know, I started cutting things out that were upsetting me and not replacing it with the equivalent. So it's, it's very comforting to hear you say that you're working with a dietitian. We've had a couple of fantastic dietitians in previous episodes talk about how it's a really individualized approach. Unfortunately, there isn't one fit for every IBD warrior when it comes to their diet. So yeah, I'm so great to hear you say that. So you're definitely taking a holistic approach to your health then, obviously. Very much so. That's something that I, um, over the years, have really come to find is so important. Like that whole mind, body, soul, like connection is, yeah, yeah because I think that um, there's so many aspects to a person. And I know that chronic illness, um, it affects all those parts, right? It can't just be like, you know, here's the, here's the medication and we ignore all the rest of it. Um, so for me, like I know, I know now I didn't know then, but like getting proper sleep and doing my self-care stuff, like getting out for in nature or like doing my dishes. Like sometimes that is self-care for yeah. me. Yeah, um, taking a break. Yeah, to me, you know what? As much as I hate cleaning my house, I do find it quite therapeutic sometimes, especially like when I have my music on and I'm dancing with my vacuum cleaner. Um, yeah. it's it's just like everything is away for the time being, you know. And I'm focusing on something other than work. Yes, and I think sometimes we think about self care as like the bubble baths or massage, and yes, those are parts of it. Um, but sometimes it can be. Yeah, I was gonna say actually that sounds pretty good right now. Um, but sometimes it is like checking off those things that you need to get done so that you can give yourself time to rest. So I think for me, um, the food is a part of it, but it's all the other stuff um, that I think is why I'm in a better place. Um, and I also think like having a team of doctors who support you and also have those share in some of those views um, mm -hmm. has been really helpful for me too. Yeah. Yeah. And you're 20 years now yeah. with 22. What am I saying? Yeah. You are a seasoned vet. Um, you've, you've been there, done that. Basically you've lived the YOLO life too. So you definitely know what to do and what not to do. But um, I think that's important too. And, you know, you, you talk about self-care for me is also like managing my stress and it's not just like my mental stress, but my physical stress, like you may not think you're stressed. Well, like I'm not stressed, but when was the last time you relaxed? When was the last time you read a book or watched a movie or just had a nap comfortably? You know, the last time you turned off your alarms, like a lot of those things I feel are, are a part, like when we think stress, you know, of course we think the standard stress, like you have deadlines, you have due dates, you have things you need to accomplish, but there's so much other, the stress of, you know, me working from home right now because of pandemic, teaching my students, you know, through Google Meet, through Zoom, the physical stress that I'm not recognizing of sitting in a chair all day, yeah. which is complete opposite of me walking around classroom all day, Right. Um, and what is that doing to my mind? What is that doing to my physical self? You know, and then ultimately, how is that going to impact my IBD? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So you are currently going to Acadia University. Yes, I am. Yeah. So am. tell us. So first of all, for our uh, listeners, Acadia University is just outside of Halifax. Yes. In Wolfville. In is Wolfville. that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's in Wolfville, Nova Scotia. So you said about an hour from Halifax, right? Yes. So small town living. Small town living. Yeah. Are you near the ocean? No. So I, I'm doing the commute into Wolfville. Um, and okay. right now I'm actually on a practicum placement. So I'm working with the university in the city, which has been nice. But um, so less no, commuting. Less commuting, which is for the most part. Um, I do have to still commute some days to Wolfville. Um, just to get supervision there, but it's such a sweet little community and um, I'm doing the Masters of Education and Counseling program there um, and it's a 14 month program. So it's been talk about like 
starting um, a master's in the middle of a pandemic. And I was going to say, like, did this not start like right when the <laughs> pandemic was like when it was just it a baby? Did. Like, it okay. did. Yeah. Just actually a few months after. So my classes were all virtual for the first few months, which was a struggle. Um, just even like maintaining focus. And for all those students out there who are doing online learning, oh, kudos to all of you because it yes student and teachers like you know I'm here with you y'all this is like hashtag the struggle is real okay yeah yes it is this is what my kids say Miss Wicks the struggle is real I'm like yes it is okay guys it's okay (laughs) (laughs) okay but yeah so you so you said masters of education in counseling yeah. So you're not, because Nova Scotia has sort of got their COVID situation um, definitely looking a little bit better than we here in Ontario. I know I'm in Toronto and Jen, Ottawa, right? You're in Ottawa? Yeah. Yeah. We're having a rough time. Okay. Yeah. We're having a rough yeah. time here in Ontario. Yeah. <laughs> on terrible is what it sort of is. I think I saw a meme from England that said on terrible and I was like, oh God. Um, yeah. So are you still online doing your course, your class? Well, because you're practicum now. So you're in, you're in In a practicum right now. Yep. So I'm working um, five days a week and that's been a really, I mean, just that transition of learning online and then actually now putting some of that skills into like putting those skills in practice. Um, But I'm. And are you with patients? Like your practicum, like your counseling. All virtual. It's oh, virtual. virtual. Yeah. So I'm right. doing a lot of, um, you know, Zoom or phone appointments. Um, and but it's still another human who needs you. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So even like striking a balance with, with that in terms of like, and that was one of my really big kind of like concerns about going into counseling is because I am like a feeler. Um, and I was thinking like, how am I mm-hmm. going to be able to like set boundaries and do this work without like completely depleting my own self in the process. And I, to be very honest, I feel like I'm still learning that. And, um, I have some really great supervisors who are, who are helping me to like, and reminding me to take those breaks or to like, to have little rituals at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, that's been kind of another element for me just managing my, and I think I'm so cognizant of it because I know what you had mentioned, like when my stress levels get Mm-hmm. crazy then symptoms also coincide usually yeah it's like hand in hand like I can like I, I if I have a few days stressful or I'm not you know I don't drink enough water which is you know key uh, I don't move enough I'm not getting my sleep I'm working too much I could like I might as well just it's like getting your period I might as well just like set it in my phone for an alarm in a few days like guaranteed yes. I'm gonna have a flare guaranteed it's coming clear the schedule, Netflix only, like, you know, this way, call the doctor, get an appointment as a heads up. It's, it's, it's book the colonoscopy. Book the colonoscopy. Book the colonoscopy. <laughs> gotta look for inflammation. Like, totally. It's true. It really yeah. is. Yeah. I feel like there's definitely, I'm, it still creeps up on me because I think, you know, we get into this hamster wheel of life and you're just like, go, go, go. Um, and I do find, and this program is so much about self-care. I mean, we're as a practitioner. For counseling on, people. Counseling how to, yeah. It. yeah. So it's definitely brought it even more to life, but it's so much easier said than done. Right. And I was so, just going to say, I have a really hard time practicing what I preach. Oh God. Yes. It is terrible. Yes. But yeah, picking up on those cues. Um, and you know, like I remember as a teen or even after I graduated from my undergrad, like working and feeling terrible to miss a day or to, you know, if, if I knew things were, or I would try to kind of plow through. And I think I'm, because I've had to learn, like sometimes it's actually better to take that day and rest and regroup or do what you need to do to, to keep going. Well, it's kind of like that airplane analogy, you know, like you have to put your, you have to take care of yourself first. You, you know, parents have to put their mask on first before they can worry about helping their child beside them. If we don't take care of ourselves, 
you know, I can't be the teacher that I need to be for my kids. You can't be the counselor that you need to be. Jen can't be doing all of this Abby stuff and answering all these emails if she is straight exhausted. Okay, people? Yeah. Like we can't, we can't do these things, right? Um, but I agree with you as well. Like I have a really hard time taking care of myself. I am super bad at that. I'm the first one to yell at everyone else around me that's not taking care of themselves. Like, what are you doing? Like, you need a break, you need a rest. Um Meanwhile, they just stand there looking at me, tapping their foot. Like, are you serious right now that you're telling me this of all people? Um, but I, I do think I'm getting better. I actually think the pandemic has made, yeah. has forced me to get better with it. I think it has for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. To kind of hit the pause button and actually like some, and I think it, in some ways it can be a source of like a lot of emotions or feelings bubbling to the surface because yeah. maybe for so long it was just like there was no time to actually sit with some of that right so I yeah and if you if you live with someone like you know my goal was to just not kill my husband have not have my <laughs> husband kill me not end a divorce like you know this is like this is like and we can do this you know there's a couple of things that I think test all relationships whether that be a friendship or otherwise uh, that would be putting together Ikea furniture and now the <laughs> pandemic. I'm pretty sure those are the two things. Um, my, you know, my advice to all of you who have people that you share lots of time with, do not ever put Ikea furniture together um, because it is not going to work out in the end. So, but I've discovered as well that the pandemic is also something that we really need to take our time. Uh, and make sure that we give each other our space and that we allow each other time to relax and that we take care of ourselves. Because if I'm grumpy, if he's grumpy, if one of my friends are grumpy, we project that energy. And unfortunately, we project it on the people who we care the most about because those are the people who are closest to us, right? So uh, yeah, definitely making sure that gets sorted. So your goal then at uh, least when your program is over, is to be a clinical registered therapist. It is, yes. Okay, what does that mean for everybody who's like, hmm? Yes. Okay. So here in Nova Scotia, um, counseling is a regulated profession. And so I will be um, working towards my candidacy after I graduate. And then with the hope of after a few years, um, a couple of years, Hopefully two, but uh, they say two to five sometimes. Um, yeah. Wow, that's a big scan. Okay. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll hopefully I will. Um, yeah, like I'll still be able to practice as a as a um, clinical therapist. Mm -hmm. um, so my goal is to one day have my own private practice. Um, but I think sort of like early on, they recommend um, you know not jumping into private practice maybe right away giving yourself mm -hmm. some time to um build those skills and build you know relationships and, and that kind of thing so um, when you say counseling like do you have a specific focus in the types of counseling you would like to offer general I don't know how is it like general counseling are you looking at chronic pain IBD children adults would it you know yeah so I definitely feel like this has changed through the program um, because I mm. keep learning about new areas. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I want to like research that. I am um, right now I'm I'm doing, you know, a lot of working with a lot of clients with anxiety, depression. Um, I've been working, you know, in the area of uh, eating disorders as well, which is an area of interest of mine. But um, I do have a like a soft spot for working with chronic illness and that's sort of why I decided to pursue counseling largely um for me I just through my own experience I had thought about dietetics and so I was like actually picking away at some nutrition courses mm -hmm. and then I was like no it's not really about I'm not this isn't really fitting it's not really it's about not, like, not what I mean prepping. Yes. nope it's more about for me like the relationship and the behaviors around food and um, again, what you had kind of mentioned, I, I really want to kind of take a holistic approach to counseling. And so um, it would be, yeah, it would be kind of my goal to be able to work with clients who have chronic, um, chronic illness. And um, really, yeah, just take that kind of holistic client centered approach and look at it from many angles. Because I know for me, like, when I got diagnosed, 
you know, we talked about medication and I remember leaving the hospital with like a stack of pamphlets on different meds and potential surgeries, but there was no real mention of mental health or how that might look. Um, either for me, either zero, just like I wasn't even told I had a chronic illness actually. So that's a whole nother story, but, um, yeah, no mention of mental health, no referral to see someone about my diet, nothing. Just here's some medication, self bulk, um, oral tablets, and then they gave me suppositories and enemas. Uh, come back and see me in eight weeks, and that okay. Yeah, it's and it, they, you know, no one talked about the fact that, like, you know, we know people with chronic illness experience higher rates of anxiety, depression. There's body changes that are happening that impact our mood and you know, even some of these medications that can have an impact on mood that... Yeah, the side um, effects alone. Exactly. Yeah. And so, living, like living with the, with the disease that is so hard to pinpoint and with various different types of symptoms that has, you know, a big symptom that involves the bathroom, which is, you know, we, we live in a society where we don't talk about the bathroom. That's private, you know. Uh, people are more open to talk about their sex life than they are about going to the bathroom. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, like no mention of that. No, and, and internalizing all of that, especially being diagnosed at a young age, for example, that, that doesn't go away. Like that sits heavy. That continues to like, that's trauma. It compounds and compacts onto a person. There's a lot of shame and guilt. I think that comes and even just like, you know, that feel the relationship with my body even over the years of like being so underweight and then that shifting to being on steroids and being really puffy the moon face the moon like my mom still has my junior high picture (laughs) grade seven and I'm on steroids and my face is a chipmunk and I you know, like, and, and when we I say steroids, that. everyone, if you're not, if you're a non IBD warrior, when we say, we're not saying she's juicing up. Okay. <laughs> what we were referring to when we say steroids is usually prednisone, <laughs> uh, <laughs> prednisone. and one of the major Im- impacts is, uh, you get this side effect and anybody who's taken it knows what most people it's called moon face. You get this. It is shocking, actually, oh. how perfectly round everybody's faces become. Like, it doesn't matter if you have an elongated face. It doesn't matter. Your face becomes this beautiful, round, full moon, puffy thing. Um, and then you sometimes have, you know, you can't sleep and you get night sweats and bruise easily and everything else. Facial you eat hair. like facial hair. You eat like a king and or a queen, though. Let me tell you, I am ready bring it on. I was craving things that I don't even like. Yeah. Okay. Same. Bologna yeah. sandwiches, like five a day. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa was no. bologna. That is such an East coast thing. I love you so much yeah. for that. Okay. <laughs> That's a Newfie steak. Yes, it is. Um, okay. So yeah. So just to clarify, she was not in grade seven taking steroids. Um, no. I just have this image of you with like your scroll jacked, like (laughs) no down open. (laughs) I wish, but no. (laughs) But yeah, so you went from like having lost so much weight, and then you go and that you know, and and when you're really ill with IBD, I think that the medical world has changed a bit. At least here, I know in Canada and in Toronto, um, steroids isn't always the first approach now, um, because, you know, we've definitely discovered that it's, it's a bandaid. It's not a permanent solution. You know, sometimes we're so, we, sometimes we present so poorly with our flair that we have to be on steroids just to get us to a place where we can then have a treatment, um, that's long, long lasting. Um, but you know, it's, uh, yeah, it happens. I've got some pictures too, where I'm just like, Oh God, like, Oh yeah. And, and when you fl- when you get so sick that you've lost so much weight, oftentimes prednisone is the first approach to get you back to like at least some kind of ground that doctors can work with. So you go from losing so much weight and being so emancipated and and then all of a sudden you're on prednisone and it's literally like you've tripled as a person, at oh, least on the face, yeah. right? Like, exactly. Always on the face. Yeah. 
Yeah. It can't be anywhere else. It can't be in the butt, the hips. You know, it's got to be in the face. Like <laughs> Full face. No, and I think too, like it, it definitely, even my relationship with food through the years has been, has fluctuated or even like having like fear foods or, yeah. you know, can, and I do, I do think for me, I know there are certain things that can trigger symptoms. Um, so I do try to watch like spice and things like that and seeds and all of those types of things are, are not helpful for me. Um, but even challenging now, you know, like things that maybe I couldn't eat when I was in a flare, but now we're okay. And that can be really scary. Like, yeah. Like just the attempt at like, no, like, but what if, like, I'm doing so good right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what made you apply to the Abbey scholarship, which pretty fantastic that you won, by the way. Um, so she wrote that 500 essay guys. She wrote it. Okay. And now she's here. She wrote it well. And she wrote it well well because she she received the scholarship. And she won when there was only 10, 10 (laughs) options this year. There are 20, 20 spots. Double up y'all. Okay. So what made you like, like want to apply? Do you remember how you heard about it? Well, I was at a point, so I was leaving a full-time job to, to pursue this program. And it was, it's a, it's, it is a 14 month program. And, um, I remember my, the faculty in the interview had said, we really strongly recommend that students do not work because it's intense. And I was like, well, great. Um, how am I going to pay for this? Who has this luxury? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And as like going back to do a master's, I mean, you know, it's expensive. And so I started um, looking at just like options out there. I feel like I may have mentioned my, my, my um, gastroenterologist had like known that I was going back to school. I feel like we had a conversation about it. Um, but then I started, I was like, oh, maybe it'll be a lot of work. And then I started looking at it and I'm like, no, this is doable. And actually on the topic of the essay, I, I reread my essay a few days ago and I was like, wow, like it, it was almost therapeutic to have, like to write down my journey in a weird way. And like, no, I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm like, okay, at the moment, I'll be honest, it was, it was to get it done. And I was probably one of those people who was doing the 1156. Okay. Oh, yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> but all those reminders in yourself for a month until it was the last day. Okay. Yep. But um, it was like, I have to say, I was, I was not expecting to receive it. I thought I'll put it out. And I remember I got a voicemail. I was at my parents. It was in the summer. Oh my goodness. I didn't even ask. Like, how do you, CCC, how do you tell these people? (laughs) Oprah's at your front door and you're like, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you, we go through the process. It's actually, it's incredible that um, like Lisa did the essay and she did the whole process and then receiving the scholarship, it's hard work and it goes through a pretty intense process for selection. So um, when they come in on June 1st, then I process all the applications. We get everybody to make sure that we have all the pieces that we need for them. Then it goes to the internal application um, selection committee. So that's different members of the CCC team, um, Crohn's and Colitis Canada team. And so for, they have two weeks to get, I think last year we had around 350 applications and then we bring it down to 30 within those two weeks. So then those top 30 applications go to the external committee, which is made up of like IBD community members. So gastroenterologists, nurses, nurse practitioners, past recipients, um, volunteers, like there's a big group, partner organization members are part of that. They review all the 30. um, And then we have a nice long phone call um, where by the end of that phone call, we have our last year, 10 winners. This year, we'll have our 20 winners. And then I get the very exciting job of getting to call the winners the next week after the So you're the one, you're the one who does it? I love it. Yeah, I wanted to kiss Jen. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> wait, so Jen called you too? Like she, she called you last year? I love it. Yep. Yeah. It's this the is best like an American Idol process like though. It's like, 
yeah, yeah this American, this long. is like an American Idol process. Then we're going to do this <laughs> and then America votes at the end. <laughs> yeah. But it really isn't such, it's amazing to receive the scholarship. It's like a huge success. And I think it's like, it shows the, like how amazing the recipients are and like the advocate, how they're advocates for IBD and um, like striving through all of the tough things that you've talked about to get you to where you are today. Um, and it's just, it's amazing, I think. Now, Jen, for our listeners, if you've say applied already before and you did not win, can you apply again every year? Absolutely. And that's what we hear a lot of the times from people who do receive the scholarship is they may apply three or four times before they receive the scholarship. So apply, 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 apply every year that you can um, and switch up your application every time. Maybe see what you've done within that past year. Have you gotten more involved with the IBD community? Write down everything. Like Lisa said, it was like therapeutic. So write down pieces of your journey that maybe you didn't mention before, anything that you've been through. How are you striving to accomplish your goals? How are you striving to stay well? Like, how are you planning to stay involved in the IBD community? Um, and I think what's yeah. important too, like if people are listening right now and they're like, you know, I'm not really involved with the IBD community. I've spoken about being a volunteer with Crohn's and Colitis Canada now for years. It's, it's very important to me. It's therapeutic for me. Um, you know, I've said many times, no disrespect to the people in my life. I have fantastic people in my corner supporting me. Um, but there's, you know, when you meet someone else with IBD, that conversation is unlike any other conversation. That feeling that you have with that person, you don't even, I've had conversations with people about symptoms and how I felt and, you know, my, my, my inner thoughts. And, and I didn't even know what their names were. I've literally met them at, at, at a group, IBD group, and we've just started talking. And then it's literally one of those things at the end of the conversation, we're like, I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. Yeah. <laughs> it's because you never told me, right? <laughs> but meanwhile, yeah. they know everything else. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, um, I, the IBD community is so important. Yeah. And it might be a scary step to take that step into getting involved. And it might not be volunteering. It might be being an attendee at a webinar or starting to join one of the gutsy peer support calls, or even if it's not involved with um, Crohn's and Colitis Canada, is there another group that you can reach out to maybe in your local community or reach out to the local chapter in your community? Um, It's great. And so that's one of the things we try to do with our recipients too, is to create that community after they've I've often said too, like not every, but you know, being diagnosed with a chronic illness, like even myself, you grief, you go through the processes of grief. Like, um, you grieve the loss of you before, um, you know, there's anger, there's sadness, there's, you know, there's, I got this, like, there's so many different types of emotions. Um, and not everybody is comfortable sharing their story openly. Uh, and, you know, I speak from, I speak from a point of privilege where I have people in my life who support me. Uh, and I recognize that that is not always the case with others. Um, and you don't always have to be the person who's talking about your, uh, your disease, but you can be a listener. Um, and for me, I lived silently with my IBD for quite some time, but I listened and I absorbed and I sat as a silent partner. And that gave me the strength to now have a podcast about IBD, you know? <laughs> so it's, and, and you don't need, you don't ever have to get to the point where you got a podcast about IBD and you're shouting it from the rooftops, but uh, the importance of being involved in an IBD community and, you know, Crohn's and Colitis Canada kind of hits all levels. You know, they've got uh, the gutsy peer support online Um I was a mentor for that for quite some time. For kids, there's Camp Got to Go. So if you are diagnosed young, like Lisa uh, was, you know that you can apply to go to Camp Got to Go, which I think three or four locations, Jen. Um, well, we will eventually have three when we can get right. in person, but this year we're doing it virtually. So it's even a an easier way to get involved from the comfort of your own home kind of thing. So, right. So that helps you like meeting other people with IBD. And then we have the young adult series 
that's also virtual that, you know, youth can get involved and young adults can get involved there. Like you have your, you know, your local chapters across the country. Um, you go onto Crohn's and Clitus website and you you find your local chapter and that's all virtual. We had some people that join our Durham local chapter meeting uh, not too long ago. They weren't even from Durham, but who cares? Like we're on, we're on, look at us, Nova Scotia, Ottawa, like we're all over the place, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Another positive of being trapped at home. Just, mm-hmm. just, I'm doing my best here with this pandemic stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, I think IBD community is so important. And obviously that's a clear message from Crohn's and Colitis Canada. You know, a lot of their funding goes into, into these programs, you know, to build that community. Um, and then when you apply to Abby Scholarship, it does ask you about your involvement. And remember, your involvement doesn't have to be that you are the one speaking all the time. Your involvement is how are you involved? And if you are involved as you are attending these things and you're growing as an individual and you're getting you're grow, you're getting that strength and that knowledge and that, you know, comfortability with yourself and that confidence, then that's an involvement. That's involved. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And even if um, like we get people who apply who are newly diagnosed, so maybe they haven't had the chance to be um, involved in the IBD community yet. But we also ask, what is your plan? Like, do you have a plan for getting involved in the community? Um, have you looked at the different programs? How right. can you get involved in the future kind of thing? And Lisa, too. how like how, the IBD community has obviously, you know, been important to you has helped you. Yeah, but to be honest, like it wasn't always, you know, I think when I was diagnosed, like there was a lot of shame around it or like a denial period, like 100% what you said about those kind of like, yeah, it was a grieving of my, it's like former self. And like now Mm -hmm. I've been able to see this as a part of who I am. It's not the whole, like doesn't define me, but it's a part of the whole of, of who I am. But I, I do, I remember my mom saying like, let's get involved and do the, you know, the walk or the, and I, I wasn't there. And I, that was part of my, my process. Um, but I have had such, made such amazing connections being more involved in terms of like, I was a camp counselor with Brigadoon, um, Camp Guts and Glory, um, and that experience in itself, like I was so nervous to go but it was like life changing. Like that whole week, it was hard to be a camp counselor. Um, I will not lie. But <laughs> in terms of the like the level of support and just it wasn't even sometimes, you know, just impromptu conversations that you'd get into with someone who knew exactly what you were going through or and yeah, I finish like, your you, sentence. They finish your sentence. Like I yeah. have amazing network of friends and family who have carried me through and have always been there, but talking with another person who has a diagnosis or who has, you know, tried similar medication or just like has gone through similar things like that shared experience. Um, I just don't think you can really, you know, put a price on that. And yeah, even just talking to people about certain things they've tried that have worked for them and um, having someone else outside of your own bubble like your own yeah. can act can be so so helpful. no it's it's a game changer and you know what it, it really is therapy like even doing this podcast is therapy for me like you know I'm not having a good day right now I was saying to our producer before the episode started that I'm struggling I was worried that I would have to cancel I'm not having a good day but you know this is, it's just, it's just the boost, like that conversation. Like when I get off of our virtual meets after having a, have a, having a chapter meeting with, you know, our volunteers and, you know, people talk about how they're doing and we, we just connect. I say, it's like, I've been like bolted, you know, like, it's like, I got this shot of energy. I got a new energizer buddy. The little thing is banging around behind me. And I'm, and, and I just, I feel like I'm uplifted, you know, yeah. not physically, you know, no, of course, you know, I'm still having my issues, but mentally I'm uplifted, you know, and we need that everyone who's living with anything, you know, we're human and we naturally crave connection. Yeah. It's, it's a part of who we are. It's ingrained. It's in our genes, you know? And I think you're right. Like it, you can feel so alone in mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. journey or at moments where even when you have 
supportive friend, supportive family, like it can still feel very alienating to, yeah, to just feel different or to be going out to a restaurant and knowing that like the anxiety that comes with like, what am I going to pick on the menu or how am I going to navigate all of this? Getting to the restaurant sometimes. Yes. You know, what does that journey look like? Yeah. So knowing, having other, like I've made, you know, some friends through um, just being more involved with uh, Crohn's and Colitis Canada. And I think there are connections that like just keep you filled up because on the bad Yes, refill the cup. Refill the cup. (laughs) Fill my cup. Yes, 100%. (laughs) I totally agree. Um, So ladies, I really appreciate you being here with me today. Um, Clearly your lives are busy. Uh, So (laughs) it's nice that you've taken some time to be here. Before we go, you know, any other main messages, obviously, other than apply, apply, and apply, and don't panic when you see the word essay, okay? not yeah. you could you know what I do to my students sometimes I call it long answer yeah I like that yeah long answer it's not it's not test quiz assessment yeah. assignment right as a long <laughs> answer my friends 500 words this is nothing okay yeah, and it's all about you you're just writing about yourself and your journey yeah, you're not you're not you know talking about quantum physics here, okay? Like yeah. this is not yeah, it's doing. not a test. It's just about you and your journey and yeah. your goals. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. any other messages we want to send, or anything you maybe forgot to say that you'd love to say now before you say toodaloo? I don't think so, but I'd be happy. I will put I will put it out there that I'm happy to edit. Any also, if I'm allowed or to, if anyone has questions. Um, Listen, about, editing, you know, editing, fine. editing. Look at this. Get someone else to read it over. That actually could be someone's first step in telling their story. Yep. Having somebody else like read their journey and what they've went through, you know, that's huge. Okay, ladies, thank you so much for being here uh, with me at uh, To our listeners, if you meet the criteria that Jen pointed out at the beginning of this episode, please apply. 20 recipients are going to get $5,000, okay? This, I can't even express to you the relief that this will bring you. You probably already know if you're sitting here being like, oh my God. Um, So it's ibdscholarship.ca, is that right? Exactly. So ibdscholarships.ca, go to the website, put your application together. You have until June 1st at 11.59 p.m. Okay, maybe don't leave it that late. You might want to get it in there early because this is like American Idol process here. Um, (laughs) Don't be the guy who hands in the resume that's crumpled, okay? Don't be that person, all right? Um, but yes, thank you again, ladies, for being here. Everyone, please apply to the Abbey Scholarship if you fit the criteria. This is so important for you, for your journey. Um, and get involved with the IBD community. Be proud of yourself and everything that you've overcome. Um, and go apply. All right. Uh, strength and positive thoughts, everyone. Thanks for listening to Guts and Glory. This podcast is produced by Bang Albino, Inc.